It's good to be with you, church, this morning. Welcome to our Christmas Sunday as we gather with a church body, celebrating, anticipating, remembering all that Christ has done in this season. And this Sunday, as we continue in our Advent series, today's theme is, as you might have noticed already throughout our worship service, is love. What a, what a lofty calling, lofty topic that we are talking about today. Uh, throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, all the scholars, all the poets, all, so many philosophers have talked about love. And it would be injustice for me to say, because the next few minutes we are talking about love, you got this thing down. No, by no means, that would not be fair Yet, love is one of those Christian virtues that people treasure and talk about, as I said, throughout all centuries, not only in our culture, but also in Eastern culture, Latino culture, African culture. Love is one of those themes that transcend all cultures. And whether you're Christians or not even, whether you accept Christianity or not, People are aware that God is love at least. And what a perfect season. As hard, as difficult, as sorrowful as this season is, also often love is in the air. Let me push outside of church wall. We know this season's about what Christ has done for us. But outside of church wall, what people think of this season? Often people consider this season as familial love, familial holiday, as beloved families get together to celebrate what this Christmas is all about, this glorious time. The culture that I came from, even though Western missionaries came and really introduced the proper Christianity in this sense, in Korea, this season of Christmas is much more outside of church wall, celebrated as more romantic holiday, romantic love. Uh, one marriage research firm in Korea talked about, they conducted a survey, when are you loneliest throughout the year? Fourth highest percentile, the 13% responded by saying, I'm having the hardest time on the New Year's Eve, 13% responded. Third highest, they said, I am loneliest, and it's most difficult season on my birthday, 15% responded. Second highest, I am loneliest, and this is most miserable. 23% responded by saying on Valentine's Day. Number one, I am loneliest. This is the worst time. I feel absolutely abandoned. Whopping 40%, near half of them said during Christmas. Whether you are longing for the familial love, whether you are longing for the romantic love, love is in the air in christmas then why in the world why as we talked about already heavy-hearted so many things are difficult because we are longing for love in a sense that even this world cannot fulfill what is the claims of love in christianity is it same as familial love or romantic love or is there something far more than what it talks about Today we will talk about their love, what Bible talks all about love. 
Shelton, we have been saying this over and over again. Underneath your desire, it has been prayed throughout the service already. Underneath your desire for acceptance, underneath your desire for comfort, more in all, more than everything, underneath it all, you want to be loved. You want to be loved permanently, unconditionally, and you are looking for something transcendent, and you are longing for Jesus, the true love that does not fail. So I pray that as we dive in, that it will not merely remain an intellectual concept, but because we know deep down to the core of our hearts how much we have been loved by infinite God pursuing mere human, laying down his life because we are so compelled by his love that we as well also compelled to love one another. So, and let us not be the people of God who hoard love, but let us be the people of God who share their love because we know how much we have been loved in this world that God has called us to live. With that being said, will you open up the word of God? Today's word is from John 15, the gospel of John 15, 9 through 17. If you have the word, you can follow along. If not, the word will be up in the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is God's word for us. May we feast in his word richly as we study this text. Today, let's talk about three things. Very simple outline. What true Christian love is, what Christian love is not, and how to love well. One by one, we'll go through that. What Christian love is, what Christian love is not. And third, how to love well. So let's go first. What Christian love is, according to the scripture in this text, it's one Greek paragraph. Here, English rather too. See verse 9 and 13, what Jesus says. As Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Greater love, 13, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Here from the beginning, Jesus tells us straightforward that first and foremost, we are loved. Do you see that Christ laid down his life? That's what true friend does. As Father has loved me, I have loved you. Christ 
loved us from the get-go. He has loved us to death. And this love that Christ is talking about has nothing to do warm, fuzzy, fleeting feelings. But laying down one's life? What is this Christmas season all about? Christ dying on the cross for our sin. He was born to bleed. It's so much rather than about warm, fuzzy, fleeting feelings. It's so much about commitment and sacrifice to lay down one's life. And Apostle John, in his letter that we studied as a church not too long ago, further really shows what true love is. God does not, he has not left us to define what love is, but he really shows that himself. First John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What a lofty calling that is. So we learn that love is therefore quite divine and cosmic. Get that? It's so cosmic. How does divine God laying down his life for mere human? It's, it's incomprehensible, so beyond our imagination. Yet it's very divine in its nature. It's God character, Christ-like virtue. Because First John 4 8 tells us God is love. Therefore, love in itself, first and foremost, it requires great commitment and sacrifice. It's divine and it's cosmic in its nature. However, then, where have we really misplaced the love? If that's what love is, it's not necessarily about warm, fuzzy, fleeting feeling, but it's commitment and sacrifice. It's divine. It's cosmic. Where have we gone wrong with love? Because when we hear word, word love, we have vast different understanding of what love is about. In our culture that we live in, as much as it's great that we are grateful for it, we are saturated nonstop, the nonstop message of overvaluation of romantic love especially. Even in this season, we talked about Hallmark movie a few Sundays ago, didn't we? We all love Hallmark movie. But what's 80% of its greatest Hallmark movies? It's about romantic love. Love is in the air. Spoiler alert, they always get together in the end. That's how Hallmark movie ends. But as much as great it is, we have placed romantic love as if that's our everything. I'm look at the culture around us. Let me quote one of the song lyrics. It goes like this. Look how cosmic and extreme it is. I ought to catch a grenade for ya. Throw my hand on a blade for ya. I ought to go through all this pain. Take a bullet straight through my brain. Yes, I ought to die for ya, baby. <laughs> Could you ever imagine that I say the word baby from the pulpit? <laughs> Well, it looks like I just did. It's so cosmic in its expression. I'll do anything for you, love. Sure, when you're in love, you sure feel like that. And there has been a huge, enormous culture shift about the way we view romantic love and marriage. The Pulitzer Prize winner, Ernest Becker, in his book, Denial of Death, talk about the people... You used to find comfort and security 
in marriage and romantic love. That's what they find, their comfort and security. But for the meaning of life, they used to find that in God. For identity, they used to find that in God. But in modern culture, they not only look forward to comfort and security in marriage and romantic love, now they find their own identity through romantic love. They find their meaning of life with romantic love. Romantic love has substituted God. He calls it apocalyptic romance. And this is what Becker says in his book, the love partner becomes the divine ideal within which to fulfill one's life. All spiritual and moral needs now become focused on one individual. After all, what is it that we want when we elevate the love partner to the position of God? We want redemption, not, nothing less. What was meant to be found in God, true love, permanent lasting love, the romantic love has substituted that. Something has not gone quite right. Then what is, I mean, if you are, have been in love, obviously, you know as great as it is, it does not complete you. We are still longing for permanent love that lasts, doesn't it? Inside of your heart, I truly want to be loved for who I am. What is true love then after having said all that? We saw this in 1513 here. Greater love is known than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. And church, if you want to learn about love in Scripture, look no further than 316. Whether it be John 316 or 1 John 316, it talks about love. 1 John 3.16, we read it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So what is true Christian love that we are talking about in its core? True love, really, for Christian definition, is all about self-donation giving of yourself for the flourishing of others. Christ laid down his life, true friend laying down his life. God gave his own son, giving up of himself for the flourishing of one another. And that's the very love that God commands us to do the same. If you read the Jesus' logic in this text, 10 through 12, basically to love God is to follow his command. And what is God's command? To love one another as Christ has loved us. And how did Jesus love us? By giving up of himself completely to death at the cross. True love in Christian definition is the giving of himself without reservation. The self-donation for the flourishing of all. So here Jesus really defines what true love is. Now having said all that, Let's press in to solidify what true love is by talking about what is not love, what true Christian love is not. Let me give you four categories for you to think about. I'll talk about absence of love, opposite of love, counterfeit of love, and misunderstanding of love. So absence of love, opposite of love, counterfeit of love, and misunderstanding of love. First, before absence and the opposite of love, let me kind of set up qualifier here. Neither anger nor hatred is neither absence of love nor opposite of love. Anger and hatred is simply love gone different direction. Like, for example, 
you hate someone or something because the cause that you value so much has been violated. In a sense, because you love deeply, anger happens. Like, what happened? For example, God hates sin, right? Why does God hate sin? Because God precisely loves what is holy and what is right. Therefore, neither absence nor opposite of love is neither hatred or anger. It's the emotional intensity in a different direction. Similar with hate, you become angry sometimes with the ones that you love the most because you're precisely loved, right? Sometimes you get annoyed and angry, but that's not necessarily because you don't care. You get angry because precisely you care and you're loved. I mean, look at the example of Jesus Christ. Please don't do this at home, but for the love of God, Jesus flipped the table because he loved what is right? He was upset when people turned God's temple into marketplace. So having said all that, what is true absence of love then? It's indifference. You don't care. When somebody just don't care about you, you feel so unseen. It's just absence. They don't care whether you do right or wrong. It's indifferent. The absent parenthood, you know what kind of devastating effect it has on children. You want to be known and loved Yet absence of love is indifference. Now, what is the opposite of love then? If it's not hatred or anger, what is the true opposite of love? We talked about it. if true love is about self-donation, giving up of yourself, then opposite of love, because true love is about laying down one's life, as Jesus said, then opposite of true love is self-preservation, especially rooted in fear. Self-preservation at the expense of others. It's all about my way. I must have it. This is my will that must prevail. I'm not willing to lay myself down. I must be protected at all costs. Self-preservation, especially at the expense of others. First John 4.18 tells us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Oftentimes, the self-preservation, I must have my, have my ego intact. In order to protect our selfish and fragile ego, you are desperately trying to preserve yourself rather than laying down yourself. Because what are you so afraid of? So there is no self-donation, sacrifice, and commitment in you, but you are desperately trying to have your own way. That stands in completely opposite of what Christian love is all about. Why if Jesus himself was marked by self-preservation at the cross? Let me live. We all would have been damned. But Jesus gave himself to death. This reality of self-donation and self-preservation, I don't think I can articulate better than British apologist C.S. Lewis in his book, Four Loves. He talks about this very well. Lewis says this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping intact, you must keep giving it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglement. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. What is Louis saying here? Love 
church often. It involves great commitment and sacrifice. You give yourself for the flourishing of your others. Jesus laying down himself, it costs him, doesn't it? I mean, we look at in verse 15, what does Jesus say? I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know master's business. Instead, I have called you friend. How do we become friend of God? Our mighty God lowered himself from heaven to earth so that we can be brought up from enemies. Now we are friend of God. Jesus intentionally lowered himself. Our mighty God was made into mere men. Yes, still fully God and fully God. Jesus laid down himself, gave himself, did not preserve himself so that we can be brought up. So, if you want to, just be safe. Keep your heart intact in the casket. Don't give it to anyone. Preserve yourself at all costs. But your heart, as Louis says, will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. That's exactly opposite of love, the self-whole preservation. Now, third, what is a, a counterfeit of love then? We talked about absence of love is indifference. Opposite of love is self-preservation. What is counterfeit? When I say counterfeit, I talked about it last week. It's like the fake version. It smells like it. It feels like it. It really looks like love. But in the end, it has exactly opposite effect. The counterfeit of love is contractual love. What is contractual love says? While verse 13 says, there's no greater love than this. You lay down your life. That's what love is. Counterfeit, the fake version of love says, I will love you as long as you benefit me. In the end, it's, it, you claim love, but it's not about them. It's about you in the end. That's not love. That's leveraging. That's the fake version of love. You use them. You use their emotional capital, whatever capital they got for your own gain. So as soon as they don't benefit you, you discard them. And very unfortunate and ironic reality of this counterfeit leveraging, not love, is that the closer emotional proximity you had with that person, the more it hurts. More than even absence of love, more than even opposite of love, often counterfeit of love, you claim to love me. This, we talked about love in its divine and cosmic. You used the loved word, but I was only a means to an end. What? We unfortunately get to taste that from our youth, right? From our like middle school years, elementary school age. You thought he or she's really cool, and all of a sudden they want to be a friend with you? How cool is that? Oh, wow, I, I like you too. Only to find out he actually wanted to get to know him or her, one of my friends. So I was only a means to an end. When you experience it, you feel like, oh, I was just used. What is this all about? If you have experienced any greater degree of counterfeit love, you say you love me, but you only leveraged me. It's only contractual love. As long as I don't benefit you anymore, you discard me. It's deeply painful. There's nothing like that quite. But let's not be so be just victimize ourselves. Let's flip the table. You've done exactly the same, church. We, I have done the same. We all have that. In the name of network, in the name of love, we only just leverage in many ways. We all use, misuse, abuse the love. But God forbid, contractual love is often so much about you. That's not what true love is. Jesus here tells that love is laying down one's life, but you only leverage them, use them. 
Now, St. Augustine, the African 4th century theologian, pressed out about love more than any of us. I mean, his brilliant mind in his book, City of God, he contrasts these two glorious realities. There's city of man, and there's also city of God. In the city of man, our love is marked by selfish love, the self-preservation, I must have my way. This is what my life is all about. And all the love is unholy in a sense. It's the means to an end. It's the leveraging. But in the city of God, the love is marked by agape, truly giving of yourself, the self-donation, unselfish love. This is what Augustine says basically. In the city of God, you walk on gold and love others. But in the city of man, you love gold and walk on others. Get that? People are just minged to an end in the city of God. Augustine is talking about leveraging. You're using others, your own gain, the counterfeit of love. Church, love is such a lofty word that involves laying down your life. Let us not use, misuse, abuse this glorious name of love. Do not leverage one another, Chilton. May we truly love one another, not leveraging one another. That's a distorted, disordered version of love. In the end, you claim love, but you're only loving yourself, your selfishness. That's all self-preservation. Finally, fourth, what love is not also, misunderstanding of love is that, simply put, being a doormat. You let others, you become an enabler of others' sin. No, true love knows when to be angry. Sometimes you get angry at your children and others because you precisely care about them, love them. But true love is not the enabler for someone to use you, misuse you, or abuse you. Well, Jen, but I just love them. No, true love always marries its love with the truth. Truth does not tolerate sin. So I pray that we have a proper understanding of what love is. If true love is about its, in its nature divine and cosmic, it's all about sacrifice and commitment. We often are indifferent. We just don't care. That's very absent. And sometimes it's all about the self-preservation rooted in fear. I must have my ways. I got to do my thing. It's so standing opposite of love. And then oftentimes, unfortunately, we misuse the name of love. We only leverage them. It's just contractual love. I love you as long as you help me. As long as you don't become beneficial for my gain, I'm going to discard you. Lastly, at the same time, we sometimes misunderstand love that we just enable others' sin to keep going. But may we truly be marked by self-donation in a way that we love. So the question that we want to ask today then, because we know that we have been infinitely loved by God, can you imagine our mighty God laying down his life for us on the cross how do we love well then? Here, Jesus' command is very clear, right? Verse 12 and 13, how he ends each paragraph here. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is my command, love each other. How do you love well then? How does your life really be marked by self-donation, giving of yourself the commitment and sacrifice? If you're waiting for a warm, fuzzy feeling to come, for you to love. No. 
You don't wait for those warm, fuzzy feelings to come to love. In fact, Jesus says exactly opposite. What does verse 10 and 11 say? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Don't wait for the feeling to come along. As you love, as you give, as you commit and sacrifice, your joy will come along. Even Jesus Christ loved us to death for the joy set before him. In fact, if you only love because you feel like it, oftentimes it's because you want to. You're meeting your own needs. There are people that it's very easy to love. You are inclined to love them because they are so much alike and you are just drawn to them. And sure, you can call that love in one sense, but in another sense, it's your desire. You're following your desire. But who are the people that you just have hardest time loving today? You just don't have that warm, fuzzy feeling. In fact, when you think about that person, you're like, ugh. They may very well be in your family members. They may very well be here in this gathering right now. That person may well be your neighbor, may well be your coworker. But what is true love about giving up of yourself so that your joy will be complete? Not because you're joyful about that person. This whole concept about giving yourself even when you don't want it really has been articulated well by this 19th century philosopher. This philosopher I'm about to introduce is very, like, very interesting in his own merit. He's one of rare figures that's been not only affirmed by Christian culture, but even secular culture. Everyone quotes him all the time. And the New Yorker once called him, his unhappiness became not a condition, but a vocation. He himself describes himself as melancholy as the most faithful mistress he has ever known. He lived a single all his life, the 19th century Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. I'm very slowly walking through one of his books, The Works of Love. In that book, he precisely talks about this, what the relationship is. The first half of the book, he talks about what biblical commandment is about love. When you only love that you are drawn to yourself, that's just preferential and spontaneous love. That's erotic love or friendship love that you are inclined toward do. And that's just your desire, your inclination, your preference. But precisely in the Bible contrast, Jesus command love. How do you command love if love is all about feeling? Someone assumes that love is not about feeling, but Jesus says, love your neighbor. Love your enemy. That love ought to be precisely commanded because those are not preferential. You don't have warm joy when you think about them. In fact, your blood boils when you think about them. But Jesus precisely says, love your neighbor, love your friend. Even one's enemy can be one's neighbor, which is reason why our society dares not to tell us that we can love everybody and anybody. But for a Christian, this command comes from Christ himself. Love enemy, love your neighbor, love your friend, who is himself the embodiment to be imitated, how to follow this true love. So what is Soran Kierkegaard really saying? Sometimes, a lot of times, you don't even know, you don't even care about that person, yet you still love for that your joy may be full, for that your joy may be made complete. 
True love ought to be commanded because it's not preferential. True love knows how to lay down oneself for the flourishing of one another. So let me ask you, who is the person that you are just having such a hard time loving? There are times, a lot of times, I don't feel like loving them. But will you give that? Will you give yourself to that person when you precisely don't feel like it? Even when the ringing is chiming. (laughs) Even when you're distracted. Even when I don't know what to say. (laughs) Will you love one another? Love is calling. (laughs) Uh, Believe it or not, church, that happened to me so many times. I was like, I was the one. My phone was not silent. It's ringing all the time. It happened to so many of us. I one time remember my senior pastor was preaching and my phone was going on the whole time. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) That happens to all of us. So today, Shelton, will you love well? Will you give yourself as hard as it is? Jesus did not love us because it was his preferential. Jesus, in fact, we weren't lovely. He died for us to make us lovely in so many of ways. What does it mean for us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Victor Hugo, in his book, Les Miserables, a musical, tells us to love others is to see the face of God. Will you show others the face of God today? There are many unlovable people, including me. I'm not most lovable. But let us love one another well to show one another the face of God, especially when you've got nothing left especially when you don't feel like it. Jesus commands us to love one another, commit yourself to them, lay lay yourself down. If you only love when you feel like it, I almost know when people do that. I really want to love you. I really want to get to know you. I'm like, what do you want from me, man? You're leveraging. You're not really loving, actually. What are you trying to get out of it? But even precisely when you don't feel like it, will will you not leverage, but will you love them? Because true love knows how to sacrifice. True love does not have expiration date. True love perseveres. It commits, it lays themselves down. If you don't know where to begin today, Shelton, as I've said numerous times already, look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not want to do this. Jesus himself said, God, this is too much. Please take this away from me. But for love, he still went to the cross. What if Jesus was marked by the self-preservation? God, I don't want to die. I would have been damned without hope. I'd be hopeless. But Jesus loved us to death. True friend laid down his life for his friends. Jesus gave himself. He donated his life. Not because he had 15 lives to give. He had one life to give. and He gave it all for us. That's what true love is. And because we know that we have been infinitely loved by Jesus, now let us give ourselves to one another same, not only to love of all people, but precisely to the ones that you might not have most warm, fuzzy feeling. Let us love one another because we know that we have been loved by Jesus Christ first and foremost. Let's pray together. Oh God, we look to you. God, even as I'm preaching this, oh God, how, how do we love well? 
God, I think we must, first and foremost, really know core of deep down that Jesus has in, infinitely loved us to death. When our hearts really begin to melt, to truly know that our God died for me, I am that much loved and valued. In my longing for acceptance and comfort, Jesus, you loved me, you accepted me unconditionally. When we infinitely know that now we love one another without fear, without reserving ourselves, for we know that we have been loved. So God, today, will you continue to melt our heart? Will you continue to remind us what this Christmas is all about? There's nothing warm, fuzzy, sentimental about it. It's a warfare. Jesus Christ, you are born to bleed. It's the somber sacrifice, what this is all about. So God, reorder us, reorient us for the glory of you. Oh God, as you have loved us, help us to love one another. And I pray that our Chelton Church will be marked by our love. God, we confess that we have lacked our love. We have leveraged one another rather than loving one another. We have only preserved our selfish egos and ambitions rather than giving up of ourselves. But, oh God, as we look to you, Jesus, who humbled himself for us, I pray that we will be compelled to love. And as we love, may our joy be complete in him. As Christ suffered for the joy set before him, help us to love well. And as we love, and may you give us this joy. So, God, we thank you for your love today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.